0: You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Happy Feast of the Ascension, we're cheating a little bit, the Feast of the Ascension was actually this week, but it's one of those, um, this is one of those hacks in the like Anglican liturgical life where you can move the feast, it's on wheels, and so now it's on Sunday, we're celebrating the Feast of the Ascension, so you may have heard some of the readings that were from today, but we're going to be grabbing some readings that were from Thursday as well, just to help us celebrate this uh, Feast of the Ascension of Jesus, and look at this, we've got a picture on a screen. That's, like, pretty impressive. We don't usually do that, but I did it this week. Um, so we're, let me ask you this question. Where exactly is Jesus? No bad answers, guys. I, I didn't hear yours, Drew, but I imagine it was pretty, pretty decent. Is he in my heart? Is he in my heart? Is he in the sacrament? Um, is he in heaven? Is he maybe somewhere else? For Christians, um, this question, where is Jesus, is super important, and not just for kind of theology's sake or just so you can have the right answer on a Sunday morning when your priest asks you, where's Jesus? It's it's actually way more practical than that. Those of you who follow Jesus, let me ask you this, how do you follow someone you don't know where they are? It's like when someone's like, hey, I'll meet you for lunch, just follow my car, and then you get halted at a a red light and they take off, and you have no idea where they're going, right? And before cell phones, that was like a game-ender, okay? We didn't know where the person was. How do we, as Christians, follow someone we don't know where he really is? Isn't that a good question? Maybe for some of us, Jesus is just a historic person in the past, a really important, like a George Washington. He was he was alive, um, but that you know, but that's in the past. Maybe for some of us, that's Jesus. And it's really easy to believe these historic stories about Jesus, like the one we just read and the ones we've been reading all year. It's really easy to, to believe in some of these historic stories as long as they kind of stay there in the past. And it doesn't get weird when they start crouching into the, the future, approaching us, even where we are now. But I want us to, I want us to really, and, and not again, just rhetorically, but I want us to real, really sit with this thought this morning, just for a second. Where is Jesus in his human form, in his person, with flesh and bones? Where is he right now? Just think about this. Don't answer. Just think. Where is he right now? Does he exist in human form still? Is he available to me or is he tucked away somewhere? Did he he go somewhere that I can't see? Where is Jesus right now? friends this morning we're faced with this really strange and beautiful claim of the christian faith that jesus in human form in flesh and blood still as a human being is seated at the right hand of god the father in the heavenly realm with the holy trinity so th- th- let me let me let me like translate there's a human being in the holy trinity right now one of you of your own flesh and blood is fully in the presence of God with no separation, no distance, but intimately in the presence of God. And I really wonder sometimes if we can believe this, how, how, what a trip it is to actually wrap our minds around this idea that Jesus is actually in the presence of God. Because it means a few things. One, it means Jesus is still living and in bodily form. And so now that also means that you and I, we live in a world in which God isn't dead or put away, but the human Jesus is actually present to this world and we live in that reality. If you think that you live in a world in which Jesus in bodily form is not present, you are delusional, actually. You live in a fake reality. The Christian claim is that we live in the world of the still living Jesus. And history hasn't tucked him away, but he's still causing a mess in our lives in the greatest possible way even today. Now this single thought, if you think about this, this is a little strange. This single thought has about Jesus still living in bodily form present to us and we living in his world. This has haunted me for like at least 10 years, seriously. Um, so much so that, in fact, the reason I'm now in the last three years have been doing this doctoral work. So most of you probably don't even know about this, but I have like a nightlife where I do uh, school work, and it's awesome. But for the last three years, I have been um, wrestling with this concept of me living in the still uh, the, in the world of the still living Jesus, and I'm recruited into his body at the table, and recruited therefore into his work also in the world that's sean's life i live in that space the key to this understanding is this one story in the bible that gets um kind of overlooked as we read through things we read this story about jesus kind of levitating and disappearing into the clouds and we think that's like i don't know what to do with that let's just move on to the book of acts or something right at the end of luke we read this But if we really want to live in reality, if you and I really want to, as Christians, step into the reality of Jesus still living and present to us, we have to deal with the ascension. Um, Some folks think the ascension is the story about Jesus going away somewhere you know, I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes and never comes back kind of story. Some people think that this is like the ascension story of Jesus, that Jesus is no longer present, and he's, he's, but he's well-intended. We think of Jesus like, okay, he's gone, but you know, he at least believes in us to figure it out when he's gone. He's given us some good things to think about, we think. Well, Luke wrote about the ascension of Jesus in both the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, And the book we call Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, and the overlapping section of these two volumes of really one whole book is this strange story of the ascension, which sets up the very next part of the story in the book of Acts, the part of the story we still live in, telling us, what the actually still living Jesus continues to do in the world through his church. And we read about one of those incidents with Paul, and just the world is just a little bit different now that Jesus is resurrected and ascended. There are a few key parts of the story that I want to look over with us. Um, Before Christ ascends. In uh, the book of Luke, I want to look at this a few things. He opened their understanding to the word of God. Did you, you guys recognize that? He opened Jesus opened their understanding to the word of God, so that when they're looking at these words on a page, it's not just information, but they can perceive what God is actually saying. Have you ever tried that? By the way, if you've ever read the Bible, it's super hard and it's really confusing. Have you ever tried sitting there and saying, "Lord, would you open up my understanding?" What a thought that this message of God, he holds the key to its understanding, and he will grant that understanding to you. You should try that. So anyways, we read that Jesus opens up their understanding to read the Bible. He shows them how to read the Bible, in a sense, to see how Christ is risen. He kind of went through some some parts, key parts of the story that are critical to reading the Bible and also understanding this life. And two of these critical parts was that A, Christ is risen from the dead, and that B, the forgiveness of sins has to be announced, turning from Jerusalem throughout all the world. And so now these disciples, they carry this news, they carry this message. And you think, okay, he's going to like pat them on the butt and send them out. Good luck, guys, go get them. But they're missing one thing still, power. In Luke 24, Thomas, I, got, I think I got one of these for us. Let's try it. Look at this, y'all. I, we don't usually do this. I'm just like really on top of it today, you know. I got these passages, pictures. It's awesome. It's Ascension Sunday. So look at Luke 24, verse 49. Let me read this to us. Jesus sending them with power. He says, I am sending what my father promised to you. So stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. Power. Okay, now let's look at Acts, what he says in the book of Acts. Luke, again, writing records it this way on the next one. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice that in both cases, the promise of the Spirit's power comes with a mission. Did you notice this? It's not like power for the sake of power, power for the sake of status. It is power that propels us with a mission. Starting exactly where you are. You don't have to be somewhere else. This power has come to the disciples exactly where they are. It will come to the disciples next week on Pentecost Sunday. Exactly where they are, and it will lead them into the world to participate in what God is up to out there. This power is purposed. And we think of the Great Commission, we think of that passage in Matthew, Matthew 28, to go into all the world making disciples. You guys remember that? But in every case, when Jesus sends us, in this case and in Matthew, when Jesus sends us, he never, ever, ever, and listen to this, he never sends us apart from himself. He never sends us away from his presence. He gives us his spirit the power of God. He promises his presence. Think of even Matthew 28, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. You remember that? Even their mission was to baptize, which is the sacrament of bringing people into the presence of God. It's all about presence. He always goes with us. It's not just some sort of intimate presence. It is that, but it's also an empowering presence that puts you to work. His presence in his disciples is mission. It's active. It drives us. The still living, moving presence of Jesus that involves us in every moment and in every place that we spend our lives. Jesus is at work and we are present to him and he is present to us. So just think of the spaces and times of your everyday life. Think of, like, let those scenes flash through your head. Jesus is present. Probably more present to you than you are to yourself, to be honest. Jesus is attentive and present. Interesting, huh? Notice that both in Luke and Acts, the ones, the passages we just read, when Jesus ascends, he doesn't say goodbye. You notice that? Sayonara, suckers, as Braylon would say to us, or see you later. He doesn't actually say goodbye to his disciples. Instead, he raises his hands to bless them as he's carried into heaven. And what did the disciples do but fell to their knees and worshiped him? That sounds super familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that kind of what occurs here on Sunday morning? Think about it. The liturgy is jam-packed full of images like this to help us step into this reality. This sounds super familiar to us. Every Sunday at this table, I raise my hands in the ministry of Christ, to absolve sin, to call upon the spirit of the Lord, to make the presence of Christ in bread and wine. And really closest perhaps to this particular story is at the very end when I bless you with the peace of God and then send you into the world. That is the ascension moment. And so if you kind of squint, you're not gonna see Jesus like in my appearance, but if you kind of squint and you 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 Pay attention to what God's doing. He's calling his spirit upon you and sending you into the world with his presence. That's the same ascension moment that we have even in this service every Sunday. We're living in that space, that ascension space. And our lives are now more defined by his blessing and sending than any other thing in your life. So you may be a doctor. You may be a mother. You may be a successful business person. You may be like a total jerk. Uh, You may be like you think a total loser. Can I just tell you what the ascension does to all of those titles? It puts them away and says there's nothing more defining about who you are than the fact that Jesus has raised his hands upon you, called out a spirit, blessed you, and now has recruited you into his work in the world. So all of those things kind of don't matter anymore, why? Not because you're like a better person or something, but because Jesus has raised his hand at you and called out that name upon you. Really, actually. The power of the still living Jesus has made us something that we were not before. The question for us is, can we perceive this? Can we really believe this? I know you guys hear me chatting up here like I do every week. I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how to get it in my own bones. I wrestle with this myself. I know this, but do I know this, you know? Can we perceive it? Well, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, he hopes just the same way that the church gets it deep in their bones, that they're not dense, they're not like thick-headed to what God's actually up to in his ascension. He asks God for the church to be made intelligent and discerning, to really know Christ and the hope that we're called to, to the wealth of his kingdom, that the wealth that we can actually live every day resourcing on the kingdom of God. The power now given us by the spirit, the blessing of Jesus raising his hands upon us in his ascension. This power that Jesus unleashes in your life, listen, it's the same exact power that raised him from the dead. It's not like a cheap knockoff version of the power. It is the same power that has raised Jesus from the dead. So whatever objection you have in your mind or your heart right now, like, I don't know, the power of God can only do so much. Really? Do you think that the power that has raised Christ from the dead is not powerful enough for whatever sin and pit and darkness you find yourself in today? Do you think it's really not that powerful? It is. This power not only, not only blesses us and fills us with the Spirit but it also arranges our bodies. Like our actual physical lives and our body, it arranges us according to God's plan. So you folks, when you are, as you're seated here and you relate to one another and you exchange the peace and you come forward and you're rehearsing all these movements with your bodies, you know what, God is actually unleashing his spirit upon you and organizing you according to his body present in South Austin for your sake and for the sake of other people that your lives between each other would actually be different. It's not that this faith is just some sort of internal thing. He's actually arranging our lives according to the kingdom. He's making us something that we collectively were not before. He's making us into his body. Really. Remember at the very beginning we were asking, well, where is Jesus now? Check this out. Look at what the power of God has arranged among us. In Ephesians 1, verse 22, and he has put all things under his feet, this is talking about Jesus, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Thomas, I think I actually have a slide for this. I'm not used to that. Can we look at this again? I'm going to read it again. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church. That's you. Which is, y'all seeing this? Verse 23, which is his body. The church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Are you tracking with this? Are you, are you guys getting this with me? This is incredible that you and I, blessed, given the spirit, arranged that we would be the body of Christ in the world, and he's the head, he's the one calling the shots. Christ in human form, yes, in heaven, governing all things, and in his church body, waiting on his leading and his power here on earth. And there's yet another sense of the body that we find in scripture, and it's the body that Jesus offers in his sacrament. There's a body in heaven, there's a body that God makes in us, and there's the body that he gives us of himself in the sacraments. So when we ask, where is Jesus? We can say, well, his human person is in heaven, but by the power of God's spirit, we are made into his body here on earth. And by his body, he feeds us in the sacrament. I know that all of this might just sound like a trip, a little weird. I I get it. I'm a modern person too. I am like, I think somewhat uh, clear-headed here, okay? I get that this sounds a little strange. It sounds like, yeah, we would hear this from a priest at a church on Sunday. I I get all that. But what if this is actually how the creator God has chosen to make himself present in the world? Are we going to let our intellectual or emotional objections to this get in the way of what God has actually decided to do, to be present to you? There's nothing like presence. No podcast is the same as like actually sitting with someone, right? No texting, no Facebook, none of that is actually the same as actually being with someone. No memories or intentions, that's why it's so hard to lose people. It's presence that really matters in life. And Christ is present to us even while he sits in heaven, he is present to us. And your brothers and sisters whom he has made his body here in this room this morning present to us in this meal of the sacrament? How many other ways can Jesus be present to you? And I know that some of you going through stuff that you're going through, you're like, Lord, I just, would you please be present? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. He's already answered that prayer. And he continues to answer that prayer, not in sentimental ways, not in like ways that are just a little bit of a pick-me-up. Remember me. Look at, look at this icon of me and think fond thoughts of Jesus. No, he has actually stepped over, trampled over those boundary lines that we think, that can't be. That doesn't make any sense. And he's made himself present to us even today. I don't think the question is, where is Jesus? And is he really present? I don't think that's the best question. I think I have a better question for us. Are we present to him? He's present. He's present to you. Now, are you even aware of his presence? Are you present to him? Are we caught up day by day in the activity of this present and still living Jesus in the world? With our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our spouses and friends? Are we present to Christ and his work in Austin? Because he's working there. He empowers us in our weaknesses. He announces the forgiveness of sins. He's healing people. I see it all the time. Are we present to this work? Because you can be and you, you really are actually part of the body of Christ. Can you imagine a daily life aware of God's presence with you? Well, I know one thing, and I know that this is like all a lot to take in, and I'll I'll like let us off the hook for now, but I just want to let you know, if you don't tend to his presence where Jesus has said, I am present, specifically and particularly, you will never learn how to tend to his presence anywhere else. And when he says, this is my body, and you go, I don't believe it, no wonder you don't believe he's present anywhere else in your life. He said, right here is my body, it's present, do you perceive it? Nope, I can't. Well, good luck. Because his particular presence is here for us this morning. And that may be like a really hard thing. It's often even hard sometimes when I'm, when I'm elevating the bread and the wine. This is honestly why we do it. Is to look upon this thing and say, Lord, can this really be? Help me to see this. Because you say that it is. We have faith that it is your presence. So I want to urge you, train your body and your soul to perceive his presence where he has declared himself to be in the sacrament, for instance, so that when you go into the world and you come across the poor, you recognize him. And when you come across children and those in need, those who are marginalized and hurting, those who need the love, you recognize the presence of Jesus. Tend to his presence, not only at this altar, but in the lives of each other and also in the world. The ascension, friends, isn't about Jesus going away, it's about him being ever present to us even today. Where in your life, if we can just ask a question and set up a moment of silence, where in your life could you use the presence of Jesus? Where in your life do you need the Lord to reach out and open your eyes, open your heart, your soul, your body to his presence even now? Ask that question to yourself and then buckle up because he comes in power even now. And he's got plans not to leave you where you are, but to get to work and to remain with you always. So let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord Jesus, be present. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.